tuned into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So if you're working with youth athletes, this one is definitely for you, where Sean dives into making changes to a training program based on rate of growth and how you actually measure rate of growth. But before we dive into this clip, which came from episode 364 of the Pacey Performance Podcast, I wanted to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free, yes, free, AMS solution for reporting, collecting data with your athletes, make sure you check out rockdaisy.com. So when you mention about differentiations on training programs based on um, the, the rate of growth and, and maturation of these yep. of these um, youth athletes, is there any kind of core recommendations that you give or would advise to coaches to kind of create a framework for the alterations based on early maturers and, and late maturers yeah. well, the first for one, safety. in yeah. yeah, yeah. so the first one is setting up uh, systems of measurement and uh, making sure that you're aware and you're regularly assessing the athlete. So it's not that the athlete suddenly goes into the growth spurt, gets injured, and you're like, oh, crap, they're in the growth spurt. You're predicting to it. Now, this is one of the best benefits, I think, of working with the Premier League. We started with education to begin with. Uh, so we had uh, pretty much uh, practitioners, so it's usually sports scientists and sports medical staff, physios from the clubs coming getting educated on growth and maturation how to assess it one of the things we flagged up to them in these workshops was that this was a period of time where you get the severs the osgood slatters the severs uh the the spondylosis the stress fractures tending to present and to be very aware of it uh and of course as part of the work that we did with the premier league we also set up a, a growth and maturation module within the pma which would allow the clubs to track and measure the kids now one of the things that occurred after we'd done that and implemented the system, was that some of the clubs independently started coming back to us afterwards saying, you know, this is a really useful system because now we can count down to when the kids are going into the growth spot. And what they were doing is they were looking for red flags. Are you in the growth spot? What is your current rate of growth? Is it above seven centimetres, you know, more than we would normally see in childhood? Uh, were the kids showing any signs of adolescent awkwardness? Were the physios flagging up any symptomology? Uh, was their training load particularly high at this point of time? And uh, if they were seeing these red flags, then they would start adjusting the training programs for the kids. And the clubs were coming back to us and saying, look, we think we're starting to get reductions in terms of injuries this year. We haven't had any examples of, say, uh, Osgood Slatters this year when previously, you know, we had about four or five kids with it. And we think this is working. Now, I was presenting that at the conference in Singapore and uh, there was a chap there called Jan Willem Tunison. He used to be the movement scientist at Ajax. He's one of the authors of the athletic skills model. And me and Jan were having breakfast the next day and he says, Sean, you know, we were doing this ages ago in Ajax. He says, we were doing this 10 years ago, this biobanding stuff. And he goes, please tell me more about it. And he said, yeah, we had these three phases for the athletes in the academy. Phase one was what they would refer to as monkey see, monkey do. The kids are going through childhood. There's nothing disruptive in terms of growth. They're really quick at picking up skills and having fun. But all of a sudden you get to this point where they notice the growth spurt kicked in and some of the kids started to struggle at that point of time. They tended to pick up injuries. You might get regressions in performance. And so what they did was with those kids who moved into that zone, they would change about 50% of their training program. 
they would reduce the load, the number of games that they were playing in. But it wasn't that they stopped training. They would substitute that training with training which was more developmentally appropriate for them. So a lot of the focus was on lower body strength, core strength, balance, coordination, uh, a lot of stuff on disruption of skills, uh, where they would put them on crash mats. They would be doing ball juggling, for example, on crash mats. Uh, they would uh, have tension lines out. They'd be doing balancing on the tension lines. They would uh, be put into certain positions where they had to hold a pose and the other kid would be pushing them along the floor and uh, they were having to use their core strength to hold that position and that mobility at that point of time. And uh, the great thing with Jan Velem is he did it in such a fun manner. So it's a lot of small games. Uh, a lot of the games were in sock feet. They took the shoes off so they couldn't do high intensity. And of course, shoes off, it focuses you to work a little bit more on your balance and coordination. And so I said, well, was it effective? And he says, yeah, he says, nobody got injured. He says, uh, in addition, the kids transitioned much, much more effectively at that point of time. And, you know, while we thought they might hate having this and not getting the opportunity to play football, they actually turned up 20 minutes early for the sessions because they enjoyed them so much because Jan was so creative in terms of the way that he worked things. So we were really interested in this because this was somewhat similar to what had been going on with some of the clubs independently in the Premier League. And uh, David Johnson, who had started uh, with me as a PhD student at uh, AFC Bournemouth, was particularly interested in this because he had noticed in his first study that there was this big spike in injuries as the kids went through the growth spot. So we actually implemented Jan's programme over at Bournemouth uh, uh, last season. And what we did is for those kids who were above that 7.2 centimetre growth spot, and those kids who were in 88 to 94% of adult stature, so smack in the middle of the growth spot, they had 90 minutes worth of their programme adjusted. So again, a reduction in load, working out in bare feet, reducing accelerations and decelerations, which might put stress on the joints at that point of time. But then again, key things, fundamental movement skills, core strength, mobility, coordination. And we went back at the end of the season and took a look at the data. Now, the groups which had not had their training programs changed, the pre-growth spurt and the post-growth spurt groups, the injury incidence, the injury burden was exactly the same. But when we looked at the group in the middle where David and Ben Bradley had done their intervention, there was a 70% drop in terms of the injury incidence. 70? 70%. It was okay. incredible that the it completely dipped. It went in the opposite direction of what we where we previously had this spike. We had this dip. These kids were just not getting injured. And then when we looked at the injury burden, it dropped from about 130 days per 1,000 hours exposure to just over one day. So it was absolutely mad. But then again, if you think about it, you know, the system they had at Ajax, they put in place for a long period of time. And developmentally, it makes sense to do that. And, you know, not every athlete is going to get injured as they go through the growth spot. But for a lot of those athletes who might be at risk, it could be quite a good thing. So it's been exciting and we're starting to look at seeing now, can we also apply this in tennis? Because a lot of kids in tennis would naturally get injured as they start to go through the growth spurt. And of course, gymnastics is a classic one for it. And you keep in mind as well that those gymnasts are late developers. They're going through the growth spurt, maybe 15, 16 years of age. 15, 16 year age, you're training a hell of a lot in gymnastics. So it's about, okay, yeah, you have to train, but can we train in maybe some slightly more developmentally sensitive manner uh, to, you know, pick up those kind of potential risk factors and, and better keep the athletes through that point of time. And of course, there's there's some really good research as well just come out from Denmark, from Sinead Holden, that shows that 
those athletes who do pick up these Osgood Schlatter's uh, type injuries, those growth-related injuries during puberty, is not that they just have this injury and that's it over and they, that's it all over with, etc. These things tend to follow through past growth spot and uh, tend to be problematic, so they're nursing these injuries for quite some period of time. So, yeah, if we can stop that, clear benefit, not just for the coaches and the programmes, but for the athletes as well. And Ajax haven't done bad, have they? Churning out players from no the system. <laughs> this is a great thing. I would highly encourage you to get Jan Vilem on as a guest because you know Jan Vilem has all the videos of everything that they were doing and those types of activities. And in these videos, you'll see the likes of Matthias de Ligt, uh, you know, Danny van der Beek, all those guys going through these types of programmes. And uh, it's quite interesting seeing some of those players as they go through the growth spurt. They do look quite awkward. I remember him saying that one of the players who's eventually been sold for a large amount of money, you would not have invested them in when you saw them in the middle of the growth spurt because you get these dips in performance. And in fact, Megan Megan Hill, who did her PhD with Southampton and has just graduated, uh, she was working very closely with Sam Scott there. They looked over five years worth of data and she found that as the kids go through the growth spurt, the match grades do go down and then they come back up afterwards. So if you're using match grades to decide whether or not you're going to be contracting a player, it's not just whether they're early on time or late, it's are they in the middle of the growth spot because you don't want to pull the trigger on a kid because you really haven't got a clue what you're going to see at that point of time. Mm-hmm. So just just remind me of the growth rate that would flag. Yeah, so in childhood, the growth rate is usually about five to six centimetres and it's really quite steady. You'll get little bumps uh, in there. Uh, so five uh, per year, so five year. to six centimeters yep. per year, and then when you look at the growth spurt, uh, you're going to tend to find that anywhere above seven point two centimeters appears to be one of the sort of uh, key sort of criteria where injury risk tends to ramp up. Now at the peak of the growth spurt, you're usually looking at about twelve thirteen centimeters per year, but in some kids because the growth spurt's an interesting one. Growth is saltatory, so you get this rapid growth and slow down, rapid growth and slow down. So if you measured it regularly enough, you see this massive big spike. But of course, if you smooth it out, you see this lovely little curve. And some of those spikes, we see players up to 20 to 22 centimetres per year at the rapid, rapid period of their growth. And of course, there's players such as, you know, Scott McTominay at... Uh, Manchester United who had an incredible growth spot. Uh, I think some of the stats you maybe read about it in the newspapers are maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but there's no doubt. It's talking to James Parr, who you know did his PhD with me up at Man United on growth and maturation. There's no doubt that uh, you know some of these athletes will have very kind of rapid growth spots as they go through those processes. So was he a late maturer, Scott? Yes, he was a late developer. Uh, okay. Interesting chatting with uh, James about this because. He, he it was it was kind of just after that kind of growth spot uh, where people really started paying attention to him and starting to see you know this player really has got it and of course we you also see that with examples from the Belgian futures program as well so likes of uh, Kevin de Bruyne uh, there's a really nice article talking about the futures program where they had a chap who was working uh, it's Eric Abrams who worked with the futures program and he says the likes of de Bruyne Mertens Courtois all talented boys, very capable, but you really didn't see the full potential of them until they came through that growth spot. Uh, because, you know, yeah, technically, tactically fantastic, but the physical disadvantages of being a late developer means that often you don't see them really full potential. Uh, but of course, once they've gone through that and the physical differences are taken away, that's when the technical tactical really comes to shine through. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's why some of the late developers are slow burners. <laughs> Would you say the recommendations that 
you've mentioned about the using football as an example mm-hmm. would be similar in gymnastics and tennis. And by that, I mean the reductions in overall load. Like, would the fundamentals be the very similar, you know, no matter what the sport, or would there be certain nuances within each sport that you would? I, I think everybody, and... all those athletes are going to experience the same thing in okay. terms of uh, the growth changes that are going yeah. to be occurring during that point of time. So they're all going to change rapidly in terms of the physique change, in terms of strength, speed, power, etc. But I guess the differences would be that different sports, they're probably going to be experiencing it at different ages. As I said, the gymnasts and particularly the ballet dancers, uh, they are going to experience it relatively late on in their careers. Uh, Misty Copeland, who's one of the prima ballerinas in uh, New York, she didn't hit her growth spurt until about 17, 18 years of age. She was training 30 hours a week at that point of time. She came down with six stress fractures at that point. Uh, So obviously much bigger implications if you're hitting it with an incredibly high load. If you're an early developer, well, you might hit your growth spurt in Bali at the age of 10 or 11, and you may be training 10 hours a week, so it's maybe slightly less of an issue. Uh, tennis was an interesting one because when we, I did a session with the mums and dads of the top eight in every age group with the LTA, and a consistent message we were getting back from them was that kids are picking up injuries as they go through the growth spurt. But there's almost this pressure I think that the mums and dads and the kids feel is to keep up their rankings and, uh, you know, to make sure they get into the right competitions. You've got to train hard. You've got to compete through that period of time. But in order to to do that, you have to put in the shift and the effort and that load is naturally going to be quite high. And if the athletes are picking up injuries at that point of time, well, we know that injuries predict future injuries. Um, As with Sinead Holdenswark in Denmark, those injuries are going to nag and follow through into early adulthood as well. And so it would almost be of benefit, I think, there to say, okay, keep training through the growth spot, but train smarter through the growth spot. Uh, Yes, have some competitions, but maybe not excessive amounts of competitions. Be willing to allow your maybe grade to dip or your ranking to dip a little bit about that point of time. But make sure you get the athlete through that period of time as healthy as possible so that when they're through that, yes, you can ramp up the training, etc. And at that point of time, they should be able to uh, go on and be successful afterwards. And you've got to keep in mind as well, the majority of young athletes are not going to be professionals, so it's really imperative for us to keep them safe and healthy. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So if you want the full episode with Sean, you can check that out at episode number 364 on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. But also big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today.